When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The Zone. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, it's going to get better as far as temperatures are concerned on this Tuesday, but you might want to be careful if you're headed out the door this morning. Hi, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee along with you. I know that uh, a county truck scared the daylights out of me this morning in uh, the cul-de-sac where I live. Uh, lights flashed, and I didn't know what was going on. They were out putting down uh, some road treatments. Uh, there are slick spots out there, and some folks farther north have picked up a little snow. So take it easy when you're heading out. Uh, the forecast for today is improving. It's going to stay cloudy, but we're going to warm up to around 37 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy and 36. Thursday, cloudy and 29. Then Friday, another chance of snow back in the forecast, but it could come as snow or rain. Friday's highs around 37. Yeah, it's complicated. Stu Muck will come along with us and give us his weather perspective in about 15 minutes. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us as usual for a Tuesday morning. We had a pretty good day yesterday for corn, soybeans, wheat, and dairy. And then this morning, it's starting to all fade away. What's going on there? John's going to be joining us with that update. And we're also focused in on cybersecurity. It's not something that you'd think impacts agriculture. But I'll tell you what, with all the technology that we're using on today's farms, all the data that we're relying on to make decisions, well, let's just say cybersecurity is key. Some of that information coming your way as well. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a Young Farmer and Agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com. You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. California makes its own steps and takes their agriculture in many different directions. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire County. And Stephanie had the opportunity to explore California agriculture. That's right, Jill. And all eyes right now are on Proposition 12. And while this is a state law in California, it's going to impact pork production nationally. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, the law requires a breeding hog to have significantly more space than the current standard. You can't sell pork to California if your facility doesn't meet that requirement. This matters because California consumes a sizable chunk of U.S. pork. Now, a judge recently ruled that this enforcement should be halted until the state has finalized the regulations. But if nothing changes, Extension Specialist and UW-River Falls Professor Brenda Botell 
tells us what pork producers can expect. Yes, uh, California Proposition 12 went into effect on January 1st of 2022. It was voted in um, by the California residents uh, um, at a, a majority of 63%. So it's, but it's a law though that's going to impact pork producers nationally. The biggest thing from a pork producer or from a hog producer is the idea that they have to change the way in which breeding hogs are stalled. So under Proposition 12, they are required to have 24 square foot for every breeding hog, which is significantly greater than what is the industry standard right now. Um, and the, the issue comes is that you cannot sell any pork, um, any uncooked pork, in the state of California if it doesn't meet the requirements set forth by Proposition 12. Since California consumes about 13% of the pork produced in the United States, it's a very large market that pork producers um, and hog producers would significantly lose out on. And because of that, it's going to have changes from a national perspective. As hog producers begin to uh, modify practices in order to be able to meet the Proposition 12 requirements, that's going to increase their costs, which will eventually mean that pork prices in the United States, as that happens, are going to go up. Yeah, and I'll probably start in California because producers there already have to make changes, right? Well, producers nationally, if you want to be able to sell it anywhere in California, no matter where you are um, producing that, that is the case So from there. So um, that that's one of the issues is that a California law is, re is enforcing producers in North Carolina to change their uh, requirements and their growing practices. And um, I recognize that there's a lot of there recognize that there's a lot of lawsuits right now um, being put forth against Proposition 12. However, it is still in effect right at this point. What does the cost look like to have to revamp a facility in order to make sure that you're meeting those those requirements of breeding hogs being in the 24 square foot of space? So it's it's um, a cost, as, as you can imagine, just from a spacing issue. If you don't have a larger space, then you're going to be able to have less animals. But there's other costs in, included in it as well that you might not think about. Um, in the way in which a lot of uh, breeding hogs are done is in a gestation crate. Um, and some of that is because sometimes you end up with a very aggressive sow. Um, and so there is potential if you add this additional space and you have add other sows in there that you might get a lot of fighting. So, so there's a cost, potential cost in that way as well. Okay, interesting. And yeah, you, you said, you know, right now all cold package products can be sold if it's been processed before December 31st. So any, any, any pork um, uh, that was in cold storage currently if it was processed before then um, can still be sold in the state of California even if it didn't meet the Proposition 12 requirements. Uh, once that cold storage pork is gone though, uh, then they're gonna, all the pork that will be having to be sold in California that is uncooked has to meet Proposition 12. And I say that uncooked because um, that's technically the, the requirement Obviously, it's going to have an impact on restaurants because they're going to have to buy the uncooked pork before they can cook it 
for the consumer in the restaurant too. Yeah, it's food service, schools, restaurants. It's not just what you see at the grocery store. So it sounds like prices are just going to climb. Well, prices for, yes, for pork, we should see pork production. Actually, because we have a smaller herd coming into 22, we should see those pork prices go um, up anyway, just because of a smaller supply of those, even without the Proposition 12. Then if we start seeing these impacts from Proposition 12 um, and how that changes the herd, that's going to potentially increase the pork prices even more. Do you find that rising pork prices might drive consumer demand towards other markets like poultry or beef? There is always a uh, availability and changing somewhat between consumers on what types of protein products they, they purchase. Beef is the highest priced of those proteins, um, and the beef price has actually gone up at higher rates than either pork or poultry, the increases there. Um, but pork is the second highest po- protein, and then you have the poultry prices. In 2022, uh, we're going to have shorter supplies of beef and pork, as I said, and we're going to have actually increasing supplies of poultry. So what that means is that in 2022, we're going to see beef prices staying high, uh, pork prices are staying high, poultry prices are going to go down. We're already getting some pushback and seeing some um, uh, retailers pushing back on the really high prices for beef, and then they kind of substitute to one of those other proteins. There isn't going to be enough pork available to be able to really feature pork in a lot of um, ads. So I see that in 2022, we're going to see basically more of that substitution coming in the form of consumers eating more more poultry. Taking all of this into consideration, what's happening in the industry, what's happening in consumers' minds, what is the outlook uh, for pork in 2022? So um, your hog producers in 2022, because of some of the issues with the higher feeds um, and with prices, their, their margins are going to be a little bit tighter in 2022 um, if you're a hog producer than a, they were in 21. If you're a beef producer, um, your cat, if you're finishing animals there, your margins should be a little bit better in 21 because you're going to end up with a higher finished animal price um, and your feed costs are going to be down a little bit. And then if you are a cow-calf producer, your margins should be a little bit higher again in 22, simply because we're starting to get shorter on the availability of feeder animals outside feed yards. We're still seeing the effects from when packing plants had to shut down in 2020, and when they, they're still seeing labor strains as well. I mean, how does that play a role in this complex? So even though when the packing industry shut down in 2020, it took until July of 21 for the beef industry um, and those finished animals animals to really be able to catch up to that. Um, We've kind of worked through that, but what we still see are some short-term snafus in the industry when we have large amounts of absenteeism. Now that absenteeism in the packing industry could be because of COVID, maybe holidays, things like that, but we are starting to see that that has a greater impact than on those finished animal prices. And that's not gonna go away simply because of labor shortages that we're seeing in the packing industry. Both our state and national governments are realizing this is an issue. They're investing money in our processing plants to expand or acquire labor, but we're not looking for a short-term solution because these are long-term problems. If you expand your packing plant, you don't have people to work there, you're in trouble. Exactly. Um, and, and yes, there's there's the attempt. Um, we're trying to grow that capacity there. And But as you said, we have to be able to uh, have the employees there as well. And that's another issue of what is it long-term? How are we going to address that? 
Is that anything you're working on at Division of Extension? Um, you know, I think it's an educational point for students to be able to understand that there are opportunities um, in in the packing industry um, or in the small locker plants. Um, where do they go? What what are those opportunities that they can do? It's kind of a creative field, you know, where you can create products, but there's also a large business. It's got small margins, so there's some some concerns on that way. So I understand why students and young individuals may not uh, may have some hesitancy on getting into it i think that's an educational point to let them know and understand the opportunities that are there brenda battelle along with us the extension commodity marketing specialist and chair of the ag economics department at uw river falls and we're keeping our eyes on the continued back and forth on proposition 12 in california and how that plays a role in the pork market in 2022 from the southern end of the world's longest barn in madison i'm stephanie hoff this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So you can do it if you try. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, they hear you. you can do it if you try. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Holy crow, you better get ready for dirty boots, at least judging by the temperatures that I'm witnessing already this morning. Time to talk weather. Stu Ag meteorologist checking in with us. Dirty boots, dirty paws, dirty everything. A dirty-looking state of Wisconsin probably coming up before the end of the week, huh? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's just this slow and steady, I don't want to call it snow melt, but how about a compaction of what do you have for existing snow? It's getting smaller and smaller slowly. And of course, that shows more of the uh, sod and whatever else might be out across the yard and the driveway. And we track that in. 
I caught myself doing it the other day already. It's time to start being extra cautious because we do have a lot more mild air edging in, and that's right ahead of a small low slipping east in southern Canada. There's a warm front into western Minnesota all the way down to Illinois today. There was a little light snow over on the Lake Michigan shoreline that's pulling into lower Michigan. Otherwise, still a pretty dry days in store, but with winds out of the south and even southwest, a lot more mild air will be funneled right into Wisconsin today, and we expect those temperatures to end up well above normal. Remember, normals right now, oh, about 29 or 30 degrees. That's the warm as it should be right now. When you add to that the fact that snow is compacting, we're getting some moisture around there, and we have what uh, I saw listed as a snow drought in the southern half of Wisconsin, anywhere between 10 and 20 inches short for snow cover so far this season. Up to the north, it's a whole lot different, but here in the south, we've been very short of snow. That does put us in a drought situation, if you will. We need to see more moisture. A couple of small chances with this little front trying to edge in, a really small chance of snow late tonight or into Wednesday, and even then, maybe some drizzle or a sprinkle mixing in with it, and another small chance for some snow late Thursday night into the day Friday. Uh, under an inch of snow, if we were that lucky, probably more like a half inch or less, but at least a couple of chances for some moisture to come this week and otherwise pretty mild temperatures quite warm today and tomorrow cooling as we look toward thursday a sharper cool down starting into the weekend you know we may have some upper teens or about 20 by saturday i'll have forecast details right after this farmers understand return on investment they understand the power and the value of the sun cameron olson owner of olson solar energy this is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value it's a business decision everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money <laughs> so one of the things that i heard one farmer say it's a crop that i am yielding <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity you should reach out to us and we will come out there for a very specialized specific quote for you to look at your farm we can put solar anywhere we can put it on a barn we can put it on the ground we can put it on a hill <laughs> so we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation and then once we design that even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Yeah, emphasis all on green right now. Green as in go outside today, huh, Stu? Absolutely. A very, very mild day is in store. Partly sunny skies. A lot of us will see upper 30s. There could be a 40 at Madison or La Crosse, a little cooler elsewhere. Still a fine day. South and southwest winds about 5 to 10. But overnight, mostly cloudy. And that chance for flurries or some very light snow early, early in the morning, 2, 3 in the morning, right before daybreak. I expect overnight lows just to drop back toward 30 or the upper 20s with the west winds at 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy Wednesday, some light snow. Could be drizzle, maybe a sprinkle in the afternoon before it all ends. Not going to amount to much. Low to mid-30s, 34, 35 degrees. West winds about 5 to 15. And then there's Thursday, a partly sunny day. A little cooler, upper 20s in some cases, just cooler than normal. The northwest winds at 5 to 10. But late Thursday night, Friday, Pam, a little round of snow, maybe drizzle, freezing drizzle, and pretty mild temperatures for Friday, still upper 30s, almost 40. Yeah, I just got a text from our buddy Stan up in the Northwoods, and he said, yeah, it's fine and dandy unless you're a snowplow driver that was hoping for a little bit more of the white stuff, you know? 
Well, yeah, you had that new snowmobile. You really wanted to put miles on it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to put miles on the vehicle to drag it someplace to find that snow. Well, we'll That's wait. It. It's only, it's still the 8th of February. We got time. Oh, yeah. We've got a month or so to go. Yeah. All right, Stu. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. All right. See you then. Yep. Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist, with those weather details that we're looking forward to. Uh, we are going to talk about whether or not the weather in South America is impacting our markets. Don't forget John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, another special guest with us today. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When we say we're the concrete producing company that contractors rely on, it's because they know we produce our own superior ready-mix products that endure the Wisconsin elements, and our family stands behind the long-lasting performance. Add one of our unique products to your next project. The concrete producing company, the contractors rely on advanced concrete. Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships. If you've been injured in a bad crash, you might think the facts are so clear that you don't need an attorney. Big mistake. Insurance companies have many arguments to reduce settlements, no matter how clear the claim may seem. I'm John Rihala. At Clifford & Rihala, we have the experience you need to take on those arguments and win. Recent example. A young woman was driving when an oncoming car crossed the center line and crashed into her head-on. She was severely injured and paralyzed and needed experienced lawyers. Though her case seemed clear, the insurance companies still came up with lots of reasons why they didn't want to pay. We fought for her and made sure she and her family received the full compensation they deserved. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys, fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. These days, vehicles are powered by many different sources. Tom's Auto Center repairs them all. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Gas, electric, diesel, and hybrids. Plus, we offer free pickup and delivery within a 10-mile radius. And a loaner car if you need one. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, picks, getter done to get you Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Picture in your mind the amount you want to earn at your job. Cardinal Glass in Mazomani will help turn that number into your reality. Competitive pay with overtime available and monthly profit sharing means you can earn what you desire. When you work at Cardinal Glass in Mazomani, your career is world class so you can live first class. Cardinal Glass in Mazomani is now hiring production associates and maintenance. 401k, medical, dental, vision, advancement opportunities, and and more. Apply today at cardinalglassmazo.com. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. 
This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual provides all lines of insurance, including commercial, farm, home, and auto. And your premiums stay right here to keep Wisconsin strong. Local agents, local underwriters, local claims adjusters. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Uh, do you, in all your times covering Wisconsin basketball, do you ever remember a time where the score was, what was it, 18 to 13 and a half? There were some ugly, well, for, for both teams to be that poor, no. I, there, have been, there have been some situations where Wisconsin's been that poor. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about the year when they didn't make the tournament. It was, it was really bad. But, no, I was, that was on that. That was on par with what they did in the 2011 Big Ten tournament, uh, when I think the score was like 18 to 16 at halftime, or maybe it was even less than that. It was, it was uh, a pathetic, pathetic effort all around by uh, on both sides. Well, was that when they had a hey, battle for Penn State? I don't know. Jordan Taylor had 16 at Wisconsin. They ended up losing that game 39 to 33. I think Wisconsin got down 18 to two in that game, uh, but yeah, they ended up losing it 36 or 39 33. Jordan Taylor had led the way with 16 points for Wisconsin. He was seven for 27 or something like that for the field. So I'm pulling it up right now. Well, Zach, I I compared it to having like, you know, I don't have any kids, but I've seen, listen, I've seen. Well, yeah, I know they're very handsome, but I've seen. Yes. Battle was the leading scorer. He was three of 18 shooting the ball. Now, you know, when you see nine points, you know, you see some kids sometimes you're like, God, like that's just an ugly kid. Like, but you don't say anything. You just you just say to yourself, like, that's just like an ugly kid. And everyone yeah. else knows it's an ugly kid, but the mom's like, look at how beautiful my baby is. Like, yeah, that's a good-looking baby right there. Ooh. That was like watching Badger basketball on Saturday. It's like it's like a mother with an ugly child. you got to love it no matter what, you know? I, I see that. I see, and now I know why you didn't want to compare it to your kitties. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I I don't know if anybody was ever was saying that. I mean, I I, I do think like you can look at like all the uh, here's the thing, uh, like it's a an baby. Ugly kid. No, no. Here's the thing, a b- baby like really ugly face, right? Like oh my like, god, uh, like that, that. Bonnie Duncan, put it back in. 
that is a tough scene. Uh, and that's what Wisconsin's offense was. And then you'd be like, oh, but, I mean, look how uh, cute his arms are or something like that. And that, and that, was, and that was Wisconsin's defense because Wisconsin's defense had a good game. Uh, a lot of that had to do with Penn State just being horribly shooting. But I think Wisconsin forced them into some difficult situations, and, and that's why uh, they only score, ended up scoring 49 points. But that was one of their better defensive efforts of the season, and it was by far their worst offensive effort of the season. So, so you can look at – you can go both ways here with it. If you, I mean, there, there are, you could find – some positives there okay so well yeah i mean they got the win they hung on now penn state had a chance uh, were you surprised that penn state didn't go for the tie and went for the three to win it i wanted them to go for the three and oh, i saw you tweet it out i was like yes I, yes I didn't want i didn't want to go to overtime but um but okay yeah. let me ask you this on they they said they said afterwards they were looking for the best shot they weren't going so much time left uh, after Wisconsin had, had used up their fouls. But, yeah, that's probably not the shot. But Chucky Hepburn thought it was going in. And Chucky was the guy that was on uh, Dread, I think, was the one that shot it. Or maybe, yeah. And he thought it was going in. He thought it was right on line. And uh, he had already ducked his head and everything. So um, it, it was not a it was not the ideal shot. But um, I certainly don't blame him for, for going for free. They had all the momentum. And you hit that and you're, you're running off the court. For a winner at the big at the, the Cole Center for the first time since or as I say, in Madison since 1995. They've never won the Cole Center. Wow. So let me ask you this then, Zach. Offensively, now I know defensively in the, he can grab a lot of rebounds lately. Is Johnny Davis just, I mean, 2 of 13 shooting? He was at, what, 4 points? Is this just the case of him trying to force it too much? Like, not letting the game come to him and him just forcing the issue? Like, what's going on with Johnny Davis right now? Is it something we should be concerned about? Or is it like, hey, just get this out of the way and like he'll be hot again come tournament time? Well, he said, yeah, I mean, he said uh, he's forcing it too much. He he admitted that yesterday when uh, he met with reporters again. He said, you know, he's not letting it come to him. He's got four teammates, and he's got to be able to do uh, – he's, he's got to be able to count on them to, to make some shots when teams are focusing on them. And I think we kind of saw that a couple times when he found Stephen Crowell for three-pointers, where he, Stephen Crowell was just wide open because teams are so focused on him. So I think – I think Johnny could average like seven or eight assists a game if he uh, was willing to throw it, and his team was willing to hit the shots when they when they were given to them. Um, like I think he, that could be his game. He could do that every single game, considering how much attention he gets. I think the biggest concern is, um, you know, his shooting, his shooting. Like even when he gets an open shot, he's he's really struggled to find it. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, if you think the markets and market trends are sexy, stick around for the melodious tones of our man John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. He'll be joining us live as usual for a Tuesday. Uh, Markets were pretty strong and robust yesterday, but we're seeing a little bit of a sell-off today. Is China back in the marketplace? Have they wrapped up their Lunar New Year celebrations? What does that mean for trade? We'll ask all the questions, get all the answers from John Heinberg coming up. I'm PM Yankee. So glad you're along with us on a Tuesday. Today's daytime highs under cloudy skies. Supposed to push up around 37 degrees. Tomorrow, 36. Thursday, 29. But then Friday, 37 are expected high. So today is the 8th day of February. A lot of different notables on this day. This day in 1910, the Boy Scouts of America was founded. Three years earlier, British General Robert Baden-Powell 
had founded the Scout Movement in England, but it came to the United States in 1910 on this day. This day in 1960, the first eight stars are added to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. More than 2,400 five-pointed stars have been embedded in the sidewalks of Hollywood Boulevard and Vine Street since then. That started on this day back in 1960. On this day in 1971, the NASDAQ held its very first trading day. The NASDAQ, do you know what it stands for? National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations. That was the first world electronic stock exchange. It went live on this day back in 1971. Happy birthday to actor Nick Nolte. Also, composer John Williams. He's the one responsible for didn't, 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 the Jaws theme. Also, the lead of uh, Star Wars, uh, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Just a fantastic composer turning 90 years young today. And now you know. Well, what you may not know is today's farms are very sophisticated, folks. More technology than maybe even in your home. More data being created every day that farmers are using to decide what they're going to feed their animals, what temperatures are going to be, what markets are reliable. So we are data-driven. But all that data, in many cases, vulnerable to cybersecurity. Aaron Zimmerman joins us this morning with an update on why farms need to be mindful of cybersecurity every day. Well, with all of the data and electronic things going on across the agriculture industry, cybersecurity is becoming more of a topic. And I'm here with Emily Selk, Director of Cyber Liability with M3 Insurance Company. Now, Emily, first of all, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, usually when we think about cybersecurity, our minds automatically go to banks, you know, those kind of things, financial institutions, places where people are going to get money. But on top of that, agribusinesses, farms, those kind of things really need to be concerned about this as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the lessons that we learned last year with the, the JBS attack specifically is that, you know, our supply chain is, is really vulnerable right now. And that's really where the threat actors are focusing a lot of their time and attention. So, um, you know, Colonial Pipeline was another example of that where, you know, they're trying to shut down, um, you know, a lot of our infrastructure. And so I think that if now's the time, if any, uh, for, for agribusinesses to really start focusing on on cybersecurity. Sure. Now there was, I guess, uh, an alert put out that many of our food and agribusinesses should be aware of, you know, these attacks. Why is that? Why are they being targeted for hacks like this? Yeah, I think one um, is that, you know, the disruption is obviously a really critical part of our supply chain. We all need food um, to exist. And so I think that that's one part of it. I think also, um, you know, a lot of these companies are, are higher revenue companies than maybe other industry classes. So um, they know that they can afford to pay the ransom. They're happy to do it um, to try to get their data back. And maybe the controls uh, have been less of a focus for them than, you know, other areas of the business. You know, what I guess are some of the differences that we see in in hacks or in, in cybersecurity? breaches now than maybe in the past. Yeah, I think that there was a pretty tremendous focus on data, you know, anywhere from seven to eight years ago, where it was all about getting people's personal information and then selling that on the web, or on the dark web, excuse me. But I think the tricky part with that is, you know, once you get to hundreds of millions of people's information being breached, you've run out of Americans to, to target. So I think um, they found a new way to make money, and it's one that, you know, is really successful for them because most companies do you know, decide to pay the ransom. Now, let's talk, I guess, a little bit about some of the tips or 
things that companies or agribusinesses need to focus on when it comes to cybersecurity to prevent these things from happening to them in the first place? Yeah, I think the first one is really focusing on backups. Uh, you know, those backups are going to be really critical in the event that there is an incident because you'll still be able to access your data and, and kind of move forward as, as if nothing happened. So you can kind of shut down one part of your business or it's from a, from kind of the, the security side of things and then just move forward with using a different part of it. Um, I think the other part is multi-factor authentication. If you are accessing um, any information remotely, that you've got that extra level of security. And, and what that means is you put in a username and password like you normally would, and then um, often there's a, a message once you've logged in and can kind of pass that. Then you go to the next step and you get a code or you might have to put in biometric information, um, including like a fingerprint or an iris scan or something like that. Um, and then, you know, from there, that's when you get to log in. So that prevents bad guys from just getting your username and password and having the keys to the castle. When it comes to big or small, um, you know, everybody's getting hit right now. Here again with Emily Selk, Director of Cyber Liability with M3 Insurance for the Midwest Farm Report. I'm Aaron Zimmerman. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a young farmer and agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com. You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Barrel cheese yesterday was up a penny and a half at 191. 40 pound block cheese unchanged. The double A butter up a penny and three quarters, 251 and three quarters per pound. The March milk is down eight right now at 2185 hundredweight. April milk is down eight. 2202 100 weight. The corn for March is down three. Right now, December new crop corn's down two at 579. March soybeans down eight. Jul uh, November new crop unchanged at 1416. March wheat is down eight. July new crop down seven and a half right now at 763 a bushel. What's happening with the markets today? We are going to catch up with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing from West Bend next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Youngke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to DeKalb, constantly innovating products and technology to maximize crop protection, production, and yields. And from Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook and Twitter. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. 
The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Cardinal Glass in Mazomani continues to invest in automation at their facility to the world-class level they feel their employees deserve. Cardinal Glass in Mazomani is now hiring production associates and maintenance. A safe, comfortable, and clean work environment where you can feel proud and you won't go home dirty. Competitive pay, advancement opportunities, medical, dental, vision, profit sharing, and more. When you work at Cardinal Glass, your career is world-class so you can live first-class. Apply today at cardinalglassmazo.com. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. And as promised on this uh, Tuesday morning, our friend John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joins us. First, let's go back. Saw you last week at Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. What folks have uh, on their minds, what they want to talk to you about, John? Well, I would say the biggest question I got is where are things going and how high think can prices possibly go? And even that day, we saw pretty wild swings in the market, you know, from handful of cents down finishing the day pretty positive, especially in the bean market. So that just continues to be the focus here where this market can be and, and how volatile things are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get started. Uh, speaking of volatility, one thing that's volatile is our weather. We're warming up nicely around here in Wisconsin. Makes me wonder what people in South America are dealing with as far as weather and maybe any other weather-related issues we've got to keep an eye on here. Yeah, there's a couple things obviously on the radar. You know, we saw the strong move in the market to start the week yesterday, again, tied to that South American forecast. And that one region of northern Argentina, southern Brazil, and Paraguay continues to be kind of just basically a hot box. And, and uh, even though they picked up some rainfall, the, the forecasts are turning those models back warmer and drier again. And, and those are, that's the area we're seeing the most damage to production. And we're going to see some numbers tomorrow from the USDA. We'll see if they cut their crop numbers down for that region of the world. Uh, most expectations are that'll probably be the numbers that'll be more focused on than the U.S. side of it uh, on those report numbers. You know, so that's definitely what's in front of the market. And it's uh, firing up the export activity. We saw uh, unknown destinations, more than likely China come in yesterday and pick up 18 million bushels of soybeans on the export market. Half of that was for old crop. The other half was for 2022-23 marketing year. You know, we're starting to see that that number is starting to build out. So there's definitely some concerns in the global scale, and end users are looking to grab these bushels and uh, make sure they got their supplies locked in. Well, you know, and that's that's just it. Uh, things are still in flux. One other question I was wondering about is is China back in the marketplace now? Are they kind of done with the Lunar New Year, uh, I guess, distraction or were they always in? 
Well, you know, their markets were closed all during the week, but we were still getting flash export sales as the week went on. And so that was one of the things that was very encouraging to the market last week, too, is, you know, even though their exchange, uh, the Dalian exchange was closed and trade was not happening, that they were still hitting some targets and getting some sales put together during the course of the week last week. So, you know, that was one thing to see. And, and they're active in this marketplace because there are, again, some global concerns there and they need supplies and they're, they're looking for those beans. And if they're not available from Brazil, the U.S. bean has come become very competitive again, given the rise in prices down there on their cash market. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's uh, then kind of pivot a little bit. A lot of different things that we're talking about this morning with John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. So let's take a look at what's uh, going on with uh, supply chain disruptions. I had a story on this morning, John, about how uh, you know, there have been concerns that during the drought, the wildfires, a lot of cattle went to the beef market that might have been a little bit meat premature. Now we're coming up a little bit short as far as overall head. We've talked about that before. That's kind of some of the same things that might be impacting dairy. Is that correct? Yeah, that's something we're obviously keeping an eye on. You know, we got that cattle inventory report here at the end of January, and, you know, it's a broad brush view of where the cattle market is, mostly focused on maybe the beef side, but they do put dairy numbers in there as well. And USDA came out with milk heifer replacements at 4.45 million head. That's down 3% from last year. You add that into the fact that cow numbers are running lower than last year as well. There's a definite concern there that the replacement heifers may not be available at this time frame, to, you know, to be, get milk production back up you know that's tied to a couple different things obviously feed costs being number one you know it's a lot of money to bring replacements in to manage those animals and uh, you know carry that over into the milk production side and then also too just the uncertainty with the milk price I know things are extremely firm right now and prices look really good but again those margins with those higher feed costs still aren't overall the best so do you really want to start expanding in this window if anything maybe we just see uh, you know dairymen bring cattle in to fill open spots and that regard Regard. So that's still something that's going to be around for a while is going to be what's going to be happening with these replacement numbers because we've just lost our cattle population as a whole here in the United States. And it doesn't look like we're going to see any expansion in that relatively soon, especially if feed costs continue to stay volatile and high. Yeah. And that uh, begs the question on whether or not that's a, a long term impact on overall milk production. And more likely it will be. And if, if anything, maybe milk production flattens out. Like you know, like I was saying, if we don't see any extra milk production come in in terms of guys putting extra cattle in, but again, just filling maybe the open spots that are there. You know, so that's something that's going to keep this market supported and with the good demand underneath this market. You know, and we we're touching on weather a little bit sooner. You start looking at some of the longer range forecasts that come out. You know, Climate Prediction Center came out with summer forecasts yesterday for the United States. Again, a, a drier bias for the majority of the corn. Belt and that, and as well as the South, you know, that could keep still pressure on these cattle markets overall in terms of more cattle coming into the picture, which still should say supportive of price. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What else is on your radar this morning, John? Yesterday we saw pretty good strength in our grain complex and dairy for that matter. This morning, Wall Street's a little warmer and we're a little cooler. Yeah, money flow has been something that's really kind of interesting to watch and how things move around during the course of the day. You know, obviously with the grain markets, those USDA numbers tomorrow, we kind of maybe got to get through that. But boy, that was a heck of a move on the start the trade week with that gaps higher in both corn and soybeans. You know, those sometimes at the top of the range are kind of an acceleration gap and we can see where things really want to go from here. Maybe we'll be choppy today and tomorrow until we get those numbers and just make sure that you know, the all is clear again mentality. So we're still watching what the money flow 
flow is doing. That's going to be a big key. Crude oil prices, too, get a little uh, over $90 a barrel is obviously supportive of the commodity sector. If that continues to stay strong, that's just going to keep just a little bit of gas under the commodity space overall. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and so we'll just kind of keep an eye on things, uh, developing news stories, supply chain issues. What do we have to train our eye on, John? I mean, we're we're kind of in that that strange part of the year where there's not a lot going on. Yeah, there really isn't. And the news cycle gets overly quiet. Obviously, grains, after we get through the report, it's going to start talking about the acre battle pretty heavily. And that's something to watch between corn and beans with, you know, $14 plus beans as well as corn at five, you know, 570 plus right now. You know, is that ratio there? And what are we going to have? Because right now, all these grains as well as other commodities are just bidding for acres. So that'll be the probably the biggest focus in the grain markets. Obviously, livestock markets, it's all about the demand. We've seen the cattle and hog markets make good runs and we'll continue to see that probably stay in play because those numbers aren't out there for these livestock sectors and the demand is still very very strong yeah and when is the federal reserve supposed to make uh, an announcement uh, that's usually something that will upend our markets yeah, you know, we got to continue to watch their meetings. I believe they're usually at the end of the month. I'm not sure what the next one is actually on the schedule, but, you know, that's something that's just going to keep things volatile overall as we continue to battle the quote-unquote inflation issues as well as, you know, just the money flow again uh, as we try to unwind this whole system, whether it's tied to the supply chain or, or just the lack of supply. You know, right now it's just going to be a pretty volatile time, and it's going to be something that's going to be out there for both the consumer as well as the producer in terms of where prices want to go. All right. Buddy, I tell you what. On that note, we'll let you go. Remind folks how they can get a hold of you, John. Sure, love chat with them anytime. Give me a call eight hundred three three four nine seven seven nine, or shoot me an email at John H at totalfarmmarketing.com. And don't forget about our website, totalfarmmarketing.com, as well. A lot of great information for producers. Excellent. We'll catch up with you next week, John. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Have a great week. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Like he said, he's always glad to have an opportunity to visit with you about anything relative to the markets. Uh, it's not like he's uh, uh, just focused in one particular area. He'll talk about it all. He was uh, one of the exhibitors last week at the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo, so maybe you got a chance to uh, visit with him a little bit back there, and now you're looking more specifically at your game plan for this year. Uh, yeah, it is going to take a sharp pencil to find uh, profitability with these input costs and with the erratic way that the weather is uh, panning out South America. And even around here, I was talking to John before he got on the air. I said, you got any worries? I saw that uh, some places in New York State are as much as 25 inches behind on snow. Are we starting to already have weather concerns right here about the amount of moisture that's going to be ready uh, come spring planting? So this is a kind of a story byline that we are going to continue to follow for sure. Tomorrow, speaking of somebody that's busy, Ashley Hewen with the Stuffus Auction Group catching up with us tomorrow. Uh, man, oh man, they are booking auctions right here in the state of Wisconsin, and we'll be getting more details on that when we visit with Ashley tomorrow morning. MidwestFarmReport.com, fabulous farm babe on Facebook and Instagram. We'll keep you entertained between now and then. Have a great day. This is the Midwest Farm Report.